0: All right, places to be. Welcome, everybody, to the RR Catcast, a fan based podcast focusing on Montana State athletics. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy it. Back, Bobcat fan. Hope you're doing well in this time of quarantine. Hope you're doing well. Getting ready to come out of quarantine. Thorny. How you doing tonight, buddy? You
1: know, I'm doing pretty good. Tonight is my Friday. I worked on Sunday, so I am not working tomorrow. So it is a good night for me over here. How you doing, my friend?
0: Love it, man. I am doing good. It is a warm night over sitting outside having uh pre-game beer. It was still 81 degrees about like Had to turn on the AC for the first time. Now I'm down in my basement (laughs) freeze.
1: Went a little overzealous on the air conditioning.
0: (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, it just all funnels downstairs, so whatever. But we're doing pretty good.
1: Nice. Glad to hear it.
0: Tonight we're going to break down the 2020 FCS preseason All-American teams put out by Hero Sports as well as their preseason top 25.
1: I think we're also going to mention that the some news about the Bobcat recruiting news. We've got a few signees we want to talk a little bit about, touch on briefly. But, uh, yeah, we weren't really planning on doing an episode necessarily anytime soon, but Hero Sports released a whole bunch of content. And uh, one, of the, one of the things in particular got me a little fired up on Twitter today, so I want to talk about that. So here we are recording an episode. Why not? It's Friday for me.
0: Thorny, before we get into the football... We're going to talk about what's in our koozie tonight. Tonight's segment is brought to you by Shine Sanctuaries. Sanctuaries are among the most sacred places on the planet. Shine Beer Sanctuary is certainly one of the most sacred places in both Shine has 30 rotating draft beers offering flavors for any beer enthusiast palate. Located in 451 East Main downtown, Shine is also Bozeman's premier bottle shop with hundreds of beers from around the world. Thorny, are you hungry?
1: Well, I am hungry, but don't worry, because Shine has you covered there, serving the famous La Peria and the Garage Soup Shack, Bozeman's favorite for 25 years. From their beautiful rooftop bar and community-driven values, Shine can help make your beer dreams come true. Come enjoy your favorite beer in a sacred place, and shine on at Shine Beer Sanctuary in downtown Bozeman.
0: Thorny, what are you drinking tonight? What's in your golden
1: koozie? Well, I haven't opened it yet, because I've been waiting. Oh, yeah. All right. So I have... A classic summer beer, since I got a little bit of flack from a certain co-host last episode uh, when we had Brooks Nuanes on. By the way, if you haven't listened to that episode, highly recommend it. It's a really good content from Good Football Talk. But right now, I am drinking a Blue Moon, the classic Blue Moon Summer Hefeweizen. Delicious, Belgian white, I guess. But it's a good one. One of my favorites. Always good standby when it starts getting warm out.
0: I always have to have an orange slice in my
1: it's hard to do an orange slice and the golden koozie at the same time. Good point. But I could probably figure it out, though. <laughs> <laughs> never never cared to try, but I could probably wedge one in there. <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, this splash of orange juice works in a pinch as well.
1: I'll have to remember that.
0: Thorny, uh, did not know we were recording tonight, and so I did not have any time to go secure a special beer, but I do have one of my favorites. It's the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Love it. And so this typically in my fridge brought it out for the occasion. Surely doesn't disappoint.
1: I mean, that's what this, this quarantine is about, right? If you're lucky, you even have any beer in the fridge. You can't just, it's not as easy to go running down to the store and just, I'm going to go pick up a six pack of something because at least for me, putting on a mask, going to the store, it's just a pain. So I'm lucky I had any cold beer. I'm pretty excited. I had a blue moon. I had one left. So I had to drink some wine before this so I could save my one cold beer. For the episode, but uh, I'm glad you got your favorite and I got one of mine.
0: Well, you have tomorrow off, so it sounds like you have a to-do list already started.
1: Yep, I need uh, <laughs> the 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 alcohol supply is is running low over here.
0: There you go, man. All right, well, let's get into today's content. It's, we're going to talk, break down the FCS 2020 Hero Sports releases on their top 25 as well as... They're all American preseason lists. Ryan, I think we should probably just uh, save the the new signees for thereafter. If that's cool with you. Do you want to get into hero stuff right now?
1: I'm um, sure that's what you want to do. Um, but just uh, real quick here. If, if you don't know who hero sports is, uh, hero uh, One of the few outlets who devotes. And I guess in this case, two, two guys, I think it all is a Sam Herder and brian mclaughlin but they're one of the more notable fcs outlets uh there is so that's where we're getting this news and i think they were the first to release any sort of preseason content here and uh, that's why we're here just to talk about it so what do you want to talk first uh all american or top 25
0: let's go top 25
1: all right so i'm not going to assume everyone's read it Uh, i was thinking maybe i'll read the top 10 and if you want to figure out 11 through 25, you can just check out heroesports.com for that. But number one, coming in number one, North Dakota State, not surprising. Uh, Number two, South Dakota State, a little surprising there. Then we got Northern Iowa, Sacramento State at number four, James Madison, number five, Weber State, six, Montana Grizzlies, seven, Villanova, eight, and Montana State Bobcats coming in at number nine. And rounding out the top ten is Stalwart, Central Arkansas. And real quick here, um, I'm going to read what Sam and Brian said was their criteria. They both took the top 30 ranking. Each of them did it individually, and then they gave points, and then whoever like survived with enough points made it in their top 25. So that's how they compiled this list. There it is. There is the Hero Sports top 10. What do you think, Foley? What are your initial impressions of this? Bobcat football related or not, what's the first thing that jumps out at you?
0: Well, the first thing I did want to mention before we even get into that, I was Colton Nuana's and Gus Tuttle's show on ESPN 10209 Missoula. And uh, they had Sam Herder on today as a guest. And Sam did mention that when he's compiling this list and he's putting the, together these preseason top 25s, so he's not necessarily looking at it as far as how they ended up last last year um, in the 2019 season, but more or less, projecting what they might be finishing off in the coming year. And that's super hard. I mean, we're sitting in almost early June, and obviously this, this is just preseason fodder for most everybody. This means absolutely nothing. But it does it does give you a little bit of a head start if you come in on the top 25, specifically if you're trying to make the playoffs. And so there has been talk about that in our past episodes, and you can go back and listen to that. Um, when I first saw it, Couple things jumped out to me. Uh, South Dakota State at number two. I guess I don't know a lot about South Dakota State. They did take NDSU uh, to the wire last year, if I'm, I'm, I'm not con- um, if I'm not mistaken on this. But uh, Sam and Brian must see some, you know, some key elements coming back there. I don't really want to focus on South Dakota State. The biggest surprise to me was Sacramento State at number four. And that's main. Sorry, uh, that's mainly just because I think, sacks. You know, well, I'll just put it this way. You know, they had they have Elijah Dotson coming back. They have Kevin Thompson coming back. Uh, Kevin Thompson was the Big Sky Offensive MVP. Uh, Elijah Dotson, one of the elite running backs in the entire nation, no doubt that is, that is, I mean, that's key in central for sure. However, and Coach. Coach Taylor won what? Was he like just FCS coach of the year and won some other award on that on that uh You route. might be right, I'm, I'm not I'm, entirely sure, but yeah. yeah, that
1: sounds about right. He was at least in the so, running for like a coach of the year.
0: <laughs> so I'm I'm like throwing all these accolades around and I'm like eighty-five percent sure on all <laughs> of them. We do a lot of research um, on this show. <laughs> all that being said is to me, Sac State peaked in the month of October. Maybe early November, and then it seemed like Weaver kind of figured them out. And, and I, you know, we were supposed to play Sac State in the playoffs, but Austin P really took it to them. Uh, they looked pretty tight. I remember watching that game. So putting Sac State up at four, it just seems to me, and this is not a unique take. This is something I like. I'm more or less echoing Colter honest when I say this. Sac State's never really had the hype, and now they have the hype. And so I'm really interested to see how, how they handle this because they, they were on a tear. It seemed like uh, they were one step ahead in their play calling, specifically on offense for a while, but then they kind of faded towards the end. And so I was really surprised to see Sac State coming at number four. I'm happy for them. The more Big Sky teams in the top 10, the better, in my opinion. But I'm a little surprised.
1: Well, you kind of see this sometimes in the Big Sky in particular. A new coach comes in. No one really knows what to make of the coach, the coaching style, the play calling, what they're going to do, and just comes out and just magic just worked out for Sac State. They just had an incredible run. The chemistry, Detroit Taylor was a perfect fit for like Kevin Thompson, Elijah Dotson. They had a couple of studs on the defensive line, like George Obina and uh, Choate's. I can't remember Choate's first name, but they had those two stud defensive linemen, which I believe are both gone. like one of the key cogs on their defense, which was an underrated defense. But yes, I don't see how they can be a top four team just solely because they lose those two defensive linemen and, you know, the element of surprise is going to be gone, I think. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see now that everyone's kind of knows what Sac State's about and they've had a year to kind of digest Troy Taylor and look at film and uh, just kind of see. You you never know because they made it to the playoffs for the first time and was it in school history or was it a long time I can't remember but they got just steamrolled by Austin P, but you know a team can learn from that and come back and like all right now we know what that takes because you don't know what that takes if you've never been there, playoffs is not easy, but it just seems to me like there's so many years where in the big sky there's just like a flash in the pan team and then next year they're top five like pre, like or even like top three pre uh, season conference pick and they just fall flat on their face so I, I just i need to see it to prove it from sac state top four might be a stretch but you know there's I, I put them in the top 10 still so i can't argue with them being on the top 10 but top four just seems pretty high
0: above james madison that's a <laughs> that's interesting oh no doubt another surprise to me is number six weaver state and weaver's offense is for me just <laughs> very hard to digest and with the with them um their quarterback leaving who's your quarterback Constantine with Constantine vacating the program you know I'm, I'm sure Jay Hill has a plan but, but that's uh that's tough pill to swallow and if Weber State can't figure it out on offense I think they're about hitting their ceiling at that you know eight to four mark in the nation
1: I believe also their like second string running back who took a lot of the load when, uh, Josh Davis was injured. I think he also left the program. I think they had a couple guys leave. Like their starting quarterback, their number two ball carrier who was starter for several games. It's hard to say. Like there, as long as Jay's Hill is there, I assume their defense is going to be very, very good. But that's that's a hard, hard thing to swallow and still be a top six team. But uh, you never know. You never know. Weber State could have it rolling. I'm okay with Weber at number six, honestly.
0: Okay. So the last two positions we'll talk about, we had uh, number seven, Montana, and number nine, Montana State. Sandwich in between is number eight, Villanova. Thorny, are you surprised that Montana comes in ahead of Montana State?
1: Um, I am, to be honest with you. Like This is, this is where it's going to come off as just a couple biased Bobcat fans bitching about the Grizz, but... I don't see how you can lose Dal- Dalton Sneed and Dante Olson, and, and having just been shellacked by the Bobcats. And yeah, we both we both. Uh, I mean, the Grizz almost made it as far as we did in the playoffs. They had a good run until they just completely collapsed in a, in Ogden. But I, I I just can't see them having that much talent, that much production when they lose guys like Dante Olson, who was like the heart of the defense, the tackling machine, everything funneled to him. And then uh, Cam Humphrey taking the role of Dalton Sneed. Sneed was a gamer and he won a lot of games for the Grizz based just on the fact that when he got into like his, it's almost like his beast mode type thing where I don't know. I just can't see Cam Humphrey sustaining that level of success on offense. And I know they have two talented wide receivers and I know they have a second team all preseason All American Marcus Knight, which I'll get to later. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I just, I don't know the gris I guess, are easily a top 10 team, but coming in ahead of the Bobcats who, yeah, we got a lot of questions too, but we've proven it. We've been proving it longer than the Grizz have under Bobby Houck. So I don't know. I can't argue a whole lot about any of this. It's all just, just talk. Where do you, where do you think the Bobcats should be
0: personally? That's a great question. I hadn't thought about that. If, you know, if I was really picking them, I'd probably pick them ahead of Weaver state at this point. I'd, yeah, I would flip-flop Weber State and Montana State. i put Montana State probably at six, somewhere in there. But, you know, Thorny, same old storyline for Montana State, right? Another year, another quarterback, question mark. <laughs> I mean, granted, we had success with Tucker Rovig at the end, and uh, now we have Matt McKay in the fold, and is he going to be the missing piece for for this team? Go back and listen to Brooks talk about it, and we talked a little bit about the ceiling for Tucker and, and that's to be seen. Like you said earlier on, he's only had maybe eight, maybe eight, nine starts, somewhere in there. He's a young quarterback still. Uh, can he continue to improve by all measures and metrics? He was, and so yeah, I, I don't, I don't doubt that he can't. Is he going to take us uh, to the, uh, the national championship? And that's where basically. We ended last year, right? So that's the biggest question. Are we the number nine team in the nation? I mean, we lose a lot. There's a lot of question marks for me as far as some leadership on the defensive line and definitely in the back end as well, our secondary. So yeah, okay. I don't know. Maybe maybe six. I don't know. this preseason stuff, right? So uh, I think we are in better shape than Weaver. I think Weaver gets not because they have a majority of their um, lineup is coming back. Uh, we do have some notable missing spots. I'm okay with number nine, but uh, I do, do like you, think we should be above Montana. I think Bobby Houck pulls a little bit of leverage, more than he deserves, honestly. And uh, I think he accounts for some of the vote. And I I would argue just what Jeff Choate says. It's a player's game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's all good points. And I, I kind of agree with you. yeah, Bobby Houck definitely sways the voters because he's got kind of that the mystique he had from his first run around so now everyone kind of remembers how dominant the Grizz were in the the early 2000s the 2000 decade and now they're seeing back and they got him back in the what the the elite eight I guess you want to call it right they fell they fell the Weber in that game but I I can see thinking like oh Montana's back Hauk's back and yeah they're gonna be a good team but still yet to be proven on that front so as far as the Bobcats, though, I don't know. I think t- number nine, honestly, is fine with me, because the quarterback play I think can't be like it was good enough to get us to the semifinal last year. And obviously, Tuckerovic is going to be at the very least as efficient and as productive as he was at the end of last season. But where I'm concerned is is Kevin Cassis and Travis Johnson not catching balls anymore? Those were two very productive receiver is at least productive in terms of what the bobcats do you and i talked about seemingly the bobcats best play throwing play last year was that uh that kind of that curl to travis johnson near the sideline where he would just run straight at db and just stop and then yeah you know rovig would hit him right in the hands and get a 10 11 yard gain out of it and johnson has that athletic ability to shake a defender and make that route so i think we have a lot of good talent at wide receiver but it's just gonna be really hard to Replace the leadership and just the competitive drive of guys like Kevin Cassis and Travis Johnson. So that remains to be seen. Defense obviously has got lots of question marks right now. So number nine, I'm okay with, and plus I think the Bobcats do better in sort of an underdog role with Jeff Cho at the helm anyway. So overall fine, hard to stomach being behind the Grizz. I can't argue it necessarily. I mean, I can't fully disagree with it, but I wouldn't have it that way myself. Just because one more The point. Bobcats are a bit more, uh, real quick here, Bobcats are a bit more plug-and-play, I think, uh, in terms of the personnel than the Grizz. Like, clearly, Troy Anderson wasn't there for the last several games. Afonse missed a whole bunch of time. Logan Jones missed some time. And yet, we never missed a beat in any of the positions. The way Choate's built the program is to is to absorb these offseason losses where the, the Grizz were basically, their, they want to have their superstars. They want to funnel everything through them. It was Dalton Sneed and Dante Olsen what are you going to do with those guys aren't like the, their replacements are producing at the same level tougher call tougher. I
0: know J, J, Jace Lewis is going to come in and uh spell Dante Olsen in his spot, but who spells that? Who spells Jace Lewis? It's good. Good questions right there.
1: All right. Well that I think that pretty much wraps up our conversation about the top 25. Got anything else to say
0: there? Nope. Nope. I'm good to go.
1: It'll be interesting to see if the, uh, the biggest guy finishes the same way that the, uh, Sac State, Weber State, Grizz, and Bobcats, top one, two, three, four.
0: Right on. So now we're going to move into the 2020 Hero Sports preseason All-American teams. Thorny? Well,
1: thanks for that very brief introduction when I set up there. Uh, So three Bobcats land on the All-American team. We have Troy Anderson, who is a – Troy Anderson is – my my thing is frozen. He's a first-team athlete first team athlete and then we got Lewis Kidd, third team offensive lineman and Amandre Williams third team defense uh, just a defensive line position. We got three Bobcats on there. Uh before we get into discussing discussing anything else, what do you think about those three and where they landed? Do you think it's appropriate for Troy Anderson to be first team defense on or first team defense listed at athlete? Basically, like we talk about every time, like the the Troy Anderson spot that they make just for Troy Anderson
0: to be on the word lists, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's just why I'm chuckling. It's just like you kind of expected at this point that he definitely has the athleticism to be on the first team he has the he has the name he has he has everything uh but one thing is he's hurt, and so, and he was hurt uh, pretty much the end of last season. I've, it's it's given a nod to Troy Anderson as a senior, and he's he's deserved it. So I don't have a problem with it. What's your no, thoughts?
1: I think it's I think it's fine. I think he was coming on really strong the last you know the last few games he was playing. He was starting to put up some pretty good numbers. He was climbing up the the stat sheet for the Bobcats in just a limited playing time. And I think once he gets a a full season to show what he can do at linebacker, rushing the passer. I mean, it's you you can't really keep him off. I think that's it's an easy pick for if you can have an athlete position on defense, you know, why not? You know, Troy Anderson's clearly the winner there.
0: You know, it's still interesting to me to think that if we pulled people on what position Troy Anderson should be playing, we would have such a mix. We still have a lot of people saying play him at quarterback. You would still have people saying, no, just give him the ball in the backfield, have him play running back now. And now he's a preseason all American first team as, uh, as a defensive player, and he only really only played. Yeah, I mean, right. I mean, the only th- <laughs> only thing he hasn't really done is showed up on uh, special teams.
1: <laughs> well, almost, Anderson, only because they don't first put him team
0: there. place kicker. <laughs> yeah, I can see right? Troy
1: Anderson doing the old drop kick field goal that Doug Foody pulled off about 15 years ago for the Patriots. Remember that? It's, it's legal to like drop a ball on the ground and then kick it. The uprights. It's a field goal. You can be like your own holder, basically. (laughs) I want Troy Anderson to do that before his career is over.
0: Ryan, I'm going to serve you up a question right now, buddy. Where do you play
1: Troy Anderson? Linebacker. And that's solely based on the team needs and not where I think he might be the most productive, which is sad. I I think, honestly, Troy Anderson is an offensive player. I think he's better running back. I think he could utilize him more in the pass catch game. You Honestly, you could like line him up in the backfield. He could like option over to the tight end spot and they could like run around from the tight end spot. Like there's so many things you can do offensively with a guy like that. But we just haven't had the linebacker talent that we've historically have had with guys like the Jody Owens of the world, the Bobby Dailies of the world. So I think we just have to have a guy like that uh just making tackles, making plays, running sideline to sideline. So yeah, I think I think you have to have him at linebacker.
0: What are your thoughts? It's Troy Anderson. Is Troy Anderson the best running back the the Bobcats have? That's a hard question. I think he's the most explosive. I don't know if he can withstand
1: like 20, 25 carries a game, typical running back style. But if you're just talking to getting a guy you want to have the ball who's going to have a chance to take it to the house, yeah, he's, he's the best at that, for sure.
0: That's a tough one for me. One place I know I'm not playing Troy Anderson is quarterback. Just hand him the ball. I think he deserves ch- touches each and every game. He should. I mean, Brooks Nuana said it, I don't know if it was last week or whenever. When Troy Anderson is in the backfield, the lens is on him because every time he's touching the ball, it's lightning. He has the ability to take to house, And that's why. He's and, a touchdown and,
1: maker. That's all it is.
0: Yeah, exactly. And we rode that horse for so long and it's really kind of got us in trouble on our offensive identity and now we're starting to come out of that Troy Anderson type hey you or wildcat formation triple option I don't know what it what we want to call it but uh, it was became predictable for us and you know God bless the kid he's he's just such a just such a talent such a special bobcat don't play that quarterback anymore but I think you're right Everything you said about uh, him playing court, uh, linebacker right now, filling the needs for our team, I, I agree with
1: that. Question for you. Are the Bobcats going to abandon the Wildcat package completely because now there's no Travis Johnson? The only guy who can do it is Troy Anderson. So if if he's on offense, is he a running back? Because if so, that means no more Wildcat package. It's been such a staple. I have no idea what Justin Udy's going to do, but that's just – been a staple of what we've done the last several years. You're talking about not having Troy Anderson at the quarterback position. Well, that basically means there's no wildcat quarterbacks. It means we're not anymore. It's like Troy or unless there's someone else I don't know about who can do that kind of stuff on the roster. Direct snaps to Ifonze. I guess we did that a fair amount last year, but not a threat to throw the ball though.
0: We, we did that sparingly and it came in late in the season, which made it why it worked because there was no tape on it. And so Okay. I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it. I hope we don't do the wildcat anymore because that's been our offense. That is our tape. And so, and you saw it in the grizzly game, right? Soon as uh, Travis Johnson went back to take the direct snap, he was piled up. I mean, they have practiced that play over and over and over again. They were prepared for that. And so against lesser teams, for sure. Right. You know, you know, what's coming. Travis Johnson's back there. Troy Anderson's back there. They gonna get the ball. It's, they're just going to do that same play over and over again. It yeah, doesn't but- work when you're working against elite teams, man. It just doesn't work when they know what's coming. I mean, we have, what, I, I think I looked it up today. We had like top, maybe five or six top rushing offense in the entire FCS. But still, when you know Travis Johnson is getting the ball back there, when you knew Troy Anderson was getting back there, it worked, what, maybe 20% of the time to break? So oh, I would I say know. more
1: than twenty percent of the time.
0: You think so? <laughs> I mean, uh, at towards the end, Ryan, I really thought that we were getting more bottled up, more often than not. Than it was becoming productive for us. Granted, it had a big play, big play possibility, and I think that was the, the lure it for us. It was like, okay, it could go, it could go, but that um, five to seven yard chunk that it used to gain just wasn't there because they were just keen in on it. Well, I just looked up Travis Johnson's stats. I was kind of curious about it. He averaged 6.4 yards
1: a carry. So I'm not sure because he was exactly bottled up all the time.
0: <laughs> no, but you know what I mean. Towards the end of the season, and go back and rewatch the cat craze, right? I mean, I think some of our only negative plays came when Travis Johnson was taking the direct snap.
1: That's such a weird argument to me because... We completely did whatever we wanted against the Grizz. They, pl- they planned for one thing and they stopped one thing, but who cares? We could do anything else we wanted the entire game. That's what makes the Bob- that was what made the Bobcats such a hard team last year is because we were so multiple on offense. That All right, you're going to key on Travis Johnson at Wildcat? Well, then we're going to do whatever else we want to do. So, yes, it, m- it made it look like that was not an effective part of our game because that's the Grizz' entire 100% focus was stopping the Wildcat quarterback play. So you have teams that are, aren't, maybe they'll focus on a Fonse, and then that's where Travis Johnson can hit you. Like, that was what was so difficult to prepare for the Bobcats last year. So I don't know. I don't agree. I got, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's an offense that can take you to a national championship, but it worked really well for the Bobcats for a vast majority of last year. And it's going to be weird to see if we just go away from it, because like I said, it's either Troy Anderson or it's nobody. That's just how, <laughs> I don't know who else is going to do it. We've been talking a lot about this uh, Trey Anderson a uh, preseason All-American talk. I did not expect us to go on a 15-minute tangent about the offense that we're going to run next year, but here we are. Classic. <laughs> what, <laughs> what do you think about Lewis Kidd, third-team offense?
0: Oh, I thought it was a kick in the balls, man. <laughs> I was I was really disappointed. In fact, that was my biggest gripe when I'm looking at this. Uh, I don't know the other guys on the second team, I don't know the guys on the first team, so I don't know how Lewis Kidd compares to them. I just know that we have one of the elite rushing programs in the entire nation. Lewis Kidd, just a essential part of that. For him to only get third team, all I have to say is the guys ahead of him must be pretty badass. Yeah, that's one of those things I, I this
1: this list I can only look at and evaluate and you know comment on things I know. I'm looking at the first-team offensive line. I see P.J. Burkhalter from Nickel State. Yeah, I have no idea if that guy's any good. I assume he is, especially offensive linemen. That's just such an impossible thing to evaluate. I think the Bobcats should always have someone in the top All-American on the offensive line. Just solely based on the program we built and the talent we always have and the production we always get, you can't leave a guy off in Montana State. And I think Lewis Kidd probably is, is the the leader of the pack coming back. I'm fine with him being third-team offense. I think he's going to be a, a great lineman this year. I'm excited to see what he can do.
0: Another third-team guy we have is Amadre Williams. What do you think of that?
1: You know, I'm a little surprised by that. I actually give Hero Sports credit on that one because he, he didn't have huge numbers, at least for the first half of the year. And he started really coming on as things... De- has progressed and he kind of just got in the system and really got his feel his feet under him, if you will, and Bozeman and under Kane Ione. And I think he is absolutely primed for an all American type season. I think he is that kind of athlete. I think he is that kind of player. So I give hero sports a lot of credit for putting on mondial millions on the list. And I agree with
0: it. How about you? Nope. Uh, I would, I mean, boring, boring sports talk right there. I totally agree with exactly what you said. <laughs> I just, when I, <laughs> When I when I'm looking at Amandre Williams, he just has to be the guy that fills the role Derek Marks vacated this year, him or Chase Benson. And I, that is that is going to be key for Montana State going forward.
1: I could see Amandre Williams packing on some more weight. I don't know what he's at like right now, like two forty, 240, two forty five maybe, but I, he could easily get to two sixty, I think, and yeah, kind of fill that Derek Marks role where he's just a really active interior defensive lineman doing stunts and twists and running all over the place while while Benson kind of just handles the middle or uh, maybe that, uh, like Brooks was saying, that new transfer from UW just kind of does this Jason Scrimpos role where he just just is a huge man in the middle that you have to put two guys on and then that allows Chase Benson and Amandre Williams to do whatever they do. So I think I'm more optimistic the more I think about the defensive line than I was a few weeks ago, but we still have some questions to answer. But yeah, I think Amandre Williams regardless is going to have a big year.
0: Well, good for the the two guys on the, the preseason top 20. Is there anything else you want to talk about?
1: Okay. This is where I got fired up today. I've been arguing with a little bit on Twitter. I don't argue very much. I don't usually comment on these lists because I, I really respect like Sam Herder and Brian McLaughlin, just putting the time and energy to do this. They get a lot of crap, a lot of flack. There's no one else doing this. Like there's no way you can watch film two guys, on FCS where there's barely any film to watch. <laughs> How does Marcus Knight be a second team running back in anybody's scenario ever? How does that happen foolie? He's not even Marcus Knight last year is third string on the Bobcat roster. He's behind Isaiah and Fonze. He's behind Logan Jones. <laughs> He's not even the best running back in Mon- the state of Montana for the college teams. Who's, Mar- who's Marcus Knight? Yeah, a, yeah. A, a, a gri- we should probably. I should probably mention that. Yes, Marcus Knight is a running back for the Grizzlies from last oh, year. Okay. Um, and I pulled up some stats because I was curious for Mister Second Team All American Marcus Knight. Last year, he finished fifth in rushing yards in the Big Sky, but he also played. You know, he made it all the way to the <laughs> thirteen games. Most running backs got eleven. Um, rushing yards, rushing yards per game, and this reflects he was ninth. conference rushing yards per carry he was 17th in the conference that includes uh, quarterbacks in that stat Uh, receiving yards he was fourth so he's a pretty good receiver and then when i'm saying fourth i mean for running backs there's no obviously he's not the fourth (laughs) leading receiver in the conference He was fifth in reception yards per game fifth in like yards from scrimmage ninth in yards per scrimmage per game but where he really stood out. And I think this is where he gets a lot of love from the media is his touchdowns. He did score like 23 touchdowns last year, which was a pretty impressive stat. He led the big sky by a wide margin in that actually not by a wide margin. I guess Joe Logan from NAU was a few. He had 20 touchdowns himself, but you take away the fact that he's a touchdown machine from like 15 yards and in like after the offense gets all the way down there. I don't understand how a guy like that is second team, all American personally. He's like he's like the guy you put on like your fantasy team because you know he's going to be a touchdown machine and he's going to get you fantasy points. You know you, you know he's not the best running back in the league, but eh, he's he's going to get get the touches on the goal line. So <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't understand how Marcus Knight is second team all-American running back. I don't think he's even a top 4 running back in the Big Sky Conference, let alone in the country. You're telling me Marcus Knight is better than Elijah Dotson? I don't think that Marcus Knight is better than Elijah Dotson. Think about this, as Bobcat fans, let's do like a little fantasy draft. Right, go around the big sky. What other running backs do you want on your team right now as a Bobcat fan? What are we kind of missing? We might be missing the kind oh, of guy who can really catch the ball in the backfield, like Afonso Can. But you got Alonzo Gilliam, the best at catching the ball in the backfield. You got Elijah Dotson right behind him. If you if you're going for that kind of running back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't understand on Marcus Knight's he's a he's a touchdown machine. That's the only thing I can possibly see. They see that touchdown stat and they they get all excited about it. And kudos to the Grizzlies. That's one stat you cannot pad. <laughs> it's clearly when he crosses the goal line, that's a touchdown. Every school I scores mean, that stat the same way.
0: <laughs> it's a little tongue in cheek when I asked who's uh who's Marcus Knight, but yeah. not really. Like the guy didn't flashed to me at all on my radar last year like he was he was nothing in the cat grizz game i i pay attention to the grizzlies and so i i knew who he was but for it to be second team all america yeah yeah that's crazy talk right there and i honestly listen to this and have a a all-season type you know we're gonna spur him on now right I think he
1: was also aided a lot by the fact that Dalton Sneed was such a mobile quarterback and a threat to run with his legs. So you kind of take that away yeah. from him and and just try and be more traditional running back. I, I don't know. I just I don't see him being all American for a second or third team. But that's about my only real gripe with the list. I'm a little surprised that uh, the I think they had the Grizz receivers kind of backwards. Personally, they had a uh, Tor Samari Torre on the list. I think Sammy Kim is a better wide receiver than Samari Torre, but. They're both studs, so no real argument there. But <laughs> Marcus Knight, I saw that and I almost spit my coffee on my monitor.
0: <laughs> right on, buddy. And
1: then and then your buddy Robbie Houck is on the first team safety. Oh I
0: love Rob. Okay. He's no, his I'm first just move team, like that one. <laughs> first team
1: who, if we're the Bobcats, we're running the ball at.
0: Yeah. I know. So that's uh, when when I think of Robbie Houck, not to go on too much more about this. But my memories of Robbie Howe is him chasing whatever Bobcat guy who had a ball into the end zone multiple times during the Cat-Grizz game. (laughs) He was almost there, but not quite.
1: It's really hard because, again, like you're talking about the guys you've seen play, like the Grizz players. I didn't watch a lot of Grizz games this year, so your only experience is really watching them in the Cat-Grizz game. The only defender on the entire Grizz roster I thought was up to the hype was Dante Olsen. I heard all, you know, Robbie Houck, such a such a talented but undersized safety. <laughs> he looked really bad, but I understand he's not always that bad, and that's how things go. Sometimes you just get your butt kicked in a football game, and that's not indicative of anything, but <laughs> can't say I'm too impressed, and being a Houck doesn't certainly help me think more of him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right on. All right, Thorny. Let's move into our final segment tonight. Uh, we uh, Montana State. It's coming out just guns blazing. The last week we signed five guys, all state of Montana kids. Going back to the mantra of owning the state. We have, uh, and and this is for this this coming class. So they they would uh, come into school in two thousand twenty-one. We have Elijah Reynolds from Red Lodge, Montana, tight end. Um, he was 2019 Class B All-State tight end and defensive end. We have a guy named Eli Abbey. I hope I'm seeing that right. From Laurel, Montana. Quarterback, safety, uh, Class A, All-State safety, Class A runner-up. Cade Cutler, Phillipsburg, Montana. Another p guy there. That's pretty cool. Uh, we have, he was a 2018 All-State uh, quarterback. And we have Jason... Fitzgerald from Dillon, Montana. Dillon Pipeline, still strong at Montana State. That's pretty cool. Uh, He's listed as an athlete. Um, In 2018, he was an All-State tight end. And last but not least, the guy today, um, Jace Fisher, Troy Montana, offensive, defensive line. Uh, That kid's a load. He's like 6'5". He's a big boy. 3'25". (laughs) Um, According to Vim on the board, he's kind of a, a project. but.
1: That's what you do in the FCS, especially with Montana kids. You got to be projects. Yeah.
0: Um, From uh, my my initial impressions are get any good Montana kid you can. And whether they work out or not, these kids seem to be the, uh, the, let's just put it this way. Montana kids are the backbone of your program, right? You just got to have them back. It just boils down to you got to have Montana kids on your roster. And they more often than not seem to be the players who just sacrifice everything for the team. And I don't want to, I don't want to marginalize out-of-staters and that's just, that's totally not what I'm saying. But you think back to the, both between both programs, the, just the stories that you hear and see year in and year out, these guys who have partial scholarships, walk-on scholarships. I mean, some of these guys we're listing probably are going to be, you know, preferred walk-ons, on partial scholarships, guys who are getting little to no money but are going to make the biggest impact in the team because they just want them more than being in a Bobcat has meant everything to them in their life. And now they get to play for the Bobcats. And to me, that is just, that's what it is, man. And I love, I love those stories.
1: Well, weren't uh, at least one of these guys I know comes from like a Grizz legacy family, right? Like the Fitzgerald, Jason Fitzgerald, of course his brother plays mm-hmm. here, RJ Fitzgerald, but the Fitzgeralds were historically Grizz. So good to get to get uh, switch him over there and wasn't there one more of the the group here that was uh, from a Grizz family it was either it, was I don't either, know. it might have been cade maybe cutler maybe reynolds uh, i'm no. not sure but uh, uh i remember reading it one of them another one of them was but uh you you mentioned you you mentioned when you were reading the list there cade cutler you said another another P-berg. who's the other one or do you even know that you said that <laughs>
0: I, I do remember saying that, but I don't know who the other one was. And then I read the next line, Jace Fitzgerald, and it was Dylan, Montana. And Dylan's close to Phillipsburg. Okay. And so I think I was thinking of <laughs> Dylan. I Sorry. Like, I was like, we
1: have, have we ever had like a Phillipsburg guy? Like I was like, who is this? It's such a small little, small little town. little would be pretty impressive. Great but-
0: candy shop. Great brewery. Oh, yeah. awesome place. The candy shop's cool.
1: Phillipsburg's cool. Kid Cutler. You're probably pretty cool too. I'm excited for all these guys. Honestly, like this is a nice start to the class. I hope it's just a good thing, good things to come because uh, a lot of Montana kids left of course on the board, if you will, to sign. But it's a really good start. And I'm I'm curious. Do you think there'll ever be a Montana start a, a starting quarterback from Montana State from Montana? Tommy Mallott
0: yeah maybe has I the do. best chance, but yeah. That's just, who I was going to say. I mean, you can sorry. never say never. We're going to be old someday, and then there's going to be plenty of kids that go through this program. Tommy Millat uh, definitely is, from what I've read and what I've heard, the real deal. So, um, no doubt, he could be, you know, in two years, our starting quarterback. And yeah. wouldn't that be something, a guy from Butte, Montana, being a starting quarterback at Montana State?
1: Ugh, that would be groundbreaking at least for a long time anyway, a reversal Ryan. of a long ways.
0: Who was the last Montana state quarterback from the state of Montana?
1: I can't remember. I should know this Probably pretty easy trivia. Who do you got? It's Jake Bleskin. Bleskin, That's right. Yeah. We talked about him last yeah. episode, unfortunately.
0: See you, Mark. Yep. My boy, Jake.
1: And then there was Mark Desen briefly, <laughs> very briefly for at least one game. Yep. Yep. That's a also a disaster of a game. <laughs>
0: He was a flashing pan. He had one game where he was just lights out, and then
1: yeah, yeah, that was a side, little quick sidebar for we in this episode. Yeah, that was a he was like what third string quarterback. It was Cody Kemp was hurt, Mark Idens was hurt, I think, and then uh, Mark Desen gets the call, <laughs> and then we lose thirty five to three in Missoula where they're wearing their stupid old ugly uniforms. Pretty sure. Let's not
0: let's not rehash that. This is a terrible way to end this episode. <laughs> You know what? Uh, I'll end it on a positive note. Uh, you know what I'm seeing right now is these Montana boys, in a way, to me, seem to recruit the other Montana boys to come on to to the Bobcats, right? And so when when one guy pledges, one guy signs, one guy commits, all of a sudden you're like, okay, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna put it out now, I'm gonna put it out, I'm gonna put it out. No doubt these kids are texting their friends, you know. Social media is blowing up. Yeah, they recruit each so, other these days. Yeah. So apparently, we have a pretty deep pool in Montana this year, which has not been the case in the last couple of years. So we'll see how this pans out. But Montana State has some good momentum. And honestly, why wouldn't you? Like, if you if you look at Montana State right now, what they have and what's coming up, the, the shovels in the ground already for for yep. No more. It's not
1: just talk. You can the shovel. The, the construction has begun. It's there.
0: What is it called, Ryan? Does it have a, a, a athletic complex? Name, like, I think. Yeah, they need. They need to rename it. Whatever it is, they Bobcat need, Athletic
1: Complex. To, the BAC. That's kind of funny.
0: <laughs> they can name it the R&R Athletic Complex. That'd be way better. Yeah. However, just the fact that your head coach is Jeff Choate would be enough. I would sign my son up, both of them, on, on the line if I could. <laughs> you know, I'm super impressed with that, man. Not so much for Bobby Howe, but I would love, love for my sons to be around a guy like Jeff Choate. Yep. Couldn't, couldn't envision much better a coach just to teach a guy about life
1: and life skills and all the stuff that goes with football, all the stuff that goes outside of football than Jeff Choate. Speaking of Jeff Choate.
0: All right. Places to be.
1: Been saving that. Saving it. This episode's running long. That's Jeff Cho right, from the, the <laughs> Cat Chris press conference. <laughs> All right. Well, as usual, you can find us on Twitter. Uh, R&R. Jeez, it's RR CatCast. I dropped the N. <laughs> it's RR CatCast. You can subscribe to us on iTunes to get the latest episodes. Before you listen to me blast it out on Twitter and the Bobcat Nation, you might as well be subscribed. So it just shows right up in your feed, ready to listen. Um, that's about all I really have for this week. I want to thank Shine Brewery for being a sponsor on the show. Appreciate that. And, uh, let's end it with the go cats. Go cats.